sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. going on Cubs fans I'm Sean Sears and welcome to another episode of Locked On Cubs part of the Lockdown Network your team every day Cubs are still identifying manager candidates but there's been some more talk about players who could be moved including Chris Bryant um, we'll talk about the latest rumors involving the Cubs the roster managers all that fun stuff hit on a few Cubs bullets and this Thursday episode of Lockdown Cubs. Today's show is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Why aren't you doing this, people? Check it out, Vivid Seats app. You can get Lockdown Cubs on the Himalaya app, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCubs and follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, we're going to touch on these John Morosi rumors. He was on 670 The Score yesterday, uh, talking a little about just what was going on with the Cubs, I guess, outlook of their roster. Was asked a little about Theo Epstein's comments, but of course, he was kind of directly asked about if there would be players available, and he didn't shy away from it and instantly said he thinks Chris Bryant could be available this offseason. And while um, Theo Epstein kind of in so many words or less didn't say he would be open to trading Chris Bryant, they but they did kind of say there are no touch uh, untouchables in this system and that they you know, we'll have to look at what this roster can provide to them and what they can get back in return. But obviously for a guy like Chris Bryant, you would want a ton back. Um, so th- we're going to be talking about this pretty much for the first segment along because I-, I think there's a lot to unpack here in this Chris Bryant trade. Um, the way I've kind of seen it so far is there's kind of two sects of people here that and the Cubs Twitter and just people in general that are kind of following this team feel like the Cubs either should or shouldn't trade Chris Bryant. I think most people are in the camp that they probably shouldn't trade Chris Bryant. There's a lot of few people out there that have gotten their tweets to explode about, you know, something along the lines of why they should trade Chris Bryant or how they have an idea to fix this roster. And the idea behind all of it is that you trade Chris Bryant for this massive return get a ton of prospects to help reload your system and possibly maybe some major major league ready talent. And then you go and sign someone like Anthony Rendon, Josh Donaldson, you know, you find a bat to plug in there and kind of, you know, maneuver the roster around that. Um, and that, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense. Mm, I, I, I could see why people would think you trade a franchise face like Chris Bryant and get a ton back, but the market I don't think is going to really help the Cubs in that regard, and that's kind of what John Morosi was saying. In a quote from 670, he uh, Morosi said, I do think Chris Bryant will be available, and I have very little doubt about that, but I have trouble believing the Cubs will find what they're looking for in return. 
And yeah, it's going to be tough to find too many contenders that are ready to part with the value you would need to get back to trade Chris Bryant and still kind of be contenders that would be good enough to utilize Chris Bryant in that two-year span before he hits free agency. Um, So it's a very complicated deal. There's a lot of levels on here that I think people just aren't quite getting. You can't just trade Chris Bryant back and get 50 top, you know, prospects. Obviously, that's a ridiculous number. But, you know, just because Chris Bryant is so highly valued in the Cub system and probably more in the Cub system than anywhere else because they, you know, he's homegrown talent. He's a guy that they identified from an early point of this Cubs rebuild that this was the guy that was going to come in and hopefully fix a lot of the things. And he did that. He's won an MVP. And I, I think the people that don't appreciate Bryant's value and what he's been for the Cubs the last couple of years, I, I think I've just been a little spoiled with how good we've seen some of these players. You know, a lot of times it's been, you know, Ryan Sandberg or an Ernie Banks or a Sammy Sosa or like a Derek Lee, I guess, or, you know, these one or two players in these generations that we've seen that have come up and just been really good. And, you know, I, I think it's made guys like Andre Dawson stand out more because who else was on that team with Andre Dawson? No one that we're talking about on a daily basis in terms of Cubs legends. The Cubs have arguably three or four guys on this roster now, including Bryant, that'll probably be all-time great Cubs. I've said before on the podcast, and, and Ryan Davis has brought it up a bunch, the Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are already on, I think, in the top five in terms of all-time war for Cubs players right now. If they're not top five, it's top six, just barely with Rizzo, I think, just below some of those other guys. But they're already historically great Cubs, and I wouldn't be surprised if Javier Baez is somewhere in that top ten and more right now as well or getting closer. So, you know, you've got three guys here that are just doing incredible things, and I, I think sometimes it kind of overshadows what Brian's been able to do or that more recently he had a ton of success early on in his career and because of injuries he hasn't quite been the same guy um, still incredible player though so I I think it's interesting and I I, I think like Morozzi was saying here it's going to be tough for the Cubs to find a trade partner that can adequately get them the pieces they want back You also have to think, too, if teams are looking for a third baseman, the market already has two guys in Rondon and Donaldson who are, I mean, Rondon is probably comparable to to Brian, or at least really close to it. And Josh Donaldson, while maybe not as great of a player and older than those guys, um, now at least, is a less costly option. So, I mean, it's kind of this thing that... this, if you were to try and trade Chris Bryant, this might not be the offseason to do it because there are some options where teams, you know, who might not want to part with all these pieces and would be okay with the trade-off of of signing Rendon, who might, in my opinion, be a step below Chris Bryant, or maybe even they see him as a step above him, whatever. But they can get a guy that's pretty comparable to Bryant while also keeping a lot of their assets to utilize in other ways. So why would they trade their assets to get Chris Bryant when they could probably just sign Anthony Rendon. Now, obviously, if it's later on in the year and the Cubs or a team has gone and signed Anthony Rendon and then the Cubs try and trade Chris Bryant, there might be more suitors. But then who are the Cubs grabbing to replace Chris Bryant? Who's sending another third baseman back that's comparable to Chris Bryant in this deal? So there's just so many things and holdups. And this is kind of where Epstein is saying he can't really discuss what's going to happen this offseason in terms of roster construction because he, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. And that's why he's not going to turn down any deal. That's why he's not going to, you know, just push away something. Um, it was interesting, though, that John Morosi quickly mentioned the Rangers as an option for the Cubs, as a trade partner that would be interested in Chris Bryant. And while I can see why the Rangers might be interested, 
and why it would make perfect sense to add Chris Bryant to the roster. Obviously, they're about to debut a brand new stadium this year. Selling Chris Bryant all over those season tickets would be incredible. Um, the jerseys, I mean, think if Chris, Chris Bryant would jump up into the top three of jerseys, probably just because of the excitement, maybe. I don't know if Texas Ranger fans are that, you know. I mean, obviously, Chris Bryant's already in the top 10 or top five, I think, maybe. Or no, he's just outside of that. I think he's a top eight or 10 or something like that in jersey sales this year. I would be surprised those bump up. But, you know, like it it makes sense to the Rangers on a ton of different areas. But for the Cubs, like, you know, you probably want like Willie Calhoun would probably be a player you want back. Danny Santana had a pretty good season this year for the Rangers, but I don't know if you're trading him. They're not going to move like a Joey Gallo or an Elvis Honduras. Um they're definitely not going to send you Mike Miner. And even then, like Lance Lynn or Mike Miner doesn't equate to Chris Bryant. So, you know, there's there's pieces in the Rangers, like, system, too, that could be intriguing to the Cubs. But they're, like, two, three years away from being even close to touching major league-ready talent. So, like, it's it just doesn't make any sense that the Cubs are trying to stay competitive and, and, and truly improve the current roster right now. I don't see a deal where they make with Chris Bryant that gets them back the pieces they're looking for strangely though the only two teams i could see that could really pull this deal off and it would make sense in the time frame that brian has before free agency would be the angels and the padres conveniently two teams that uh, reportedly joe madden is leaning more towards now uh, especially now with the mets firing mickey calloway um it sounds like they would want a experienced manager now joe madden would be a guy joe girardi's probably the favorite there right now or at least for the mets sake um but I, it sounds like he, Madden wants to lean more towards the, the the West Coast, and that makes sense. And if I mean Joe Madden came out and told Chris Bryant, you know, I'm only a phone call away. If you ever need something, you know, I'm always there for you. Obviously, the relationship that Madden has built with these players is strong. And Chris Bryant talked about how Joe was one of the few guys to get him, and how it's tough for him to open up, and how he's hard on himself. And Joe did such a good job of helping him get over those and stop being so critical of himself. Like, obviously, there's a relationship there. Joe Madden ends up in San Diego, then maybe that's a different scenario. Um, But as things are constructed right now, I I just don't see a deal that makes sense for a lot of these teams. So I expect Chris Bryant to stay on this team, but I I think a deal like this might be something that's coming. I I could see, you know, Wilson Contreras getting packaged in a deal to the Red Sox. Um, I could see the same thing, Wilson Contreras getting sent to the Mets. Kyle Schwarber, um, but I, in terms of how hard it would be to replace your core four players being Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, obviously Rizzo and Baez, they're on this team. You can't find guys that'll be quite like Rizzo and Bryant. Obviously Rizzo, team captain, and essentially Mr. Cub 2.0, and then Baez, an, incredibly feeling, or an incredible feeling shortstop that has insane 30 home run plus power. You, you, you don't find a superstar like that. Chris Bryant is an elite hitter and one of the best third basemen in baseball, but he could be an easier guy to replace. And Wilson Contreras, while a great catcher and a great, you know, offensive player, he does have some shortcomings. There were some notes showing that he had been getting better at framing. So that's a plus. The Webstein mentioned that in his press conference. And then kind of looking back, I was able to find a tweet thread that kind of showed he had been making improvements in framing. So that's a plus, but still probably not where you'd want him to be. But you know, it, it it's hard to say what you want to move right now because you don't really know what's available. So I think the Cubs will listen to every offer, and if a deal comes up, they'll they'll try to make it if it betters the club. But I also think that 
there's going to be some money to spend here. And I, I think they can maybe improve on this roster without necessarily having to ship off any of those big pieces. But we'll have to see. So That will do it here for the first segment. We'll be jumping to the second segment in a moment. We'll talk on, touch on some of the coaching options that have popped up here, as well as a few other Cubs bolts here as we wrap up the show. One of our sponsors is Bombas. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. With every pair purchased, a pair is donated. Go to bombas.com slash lock to get 20% off your first purchase. Bombas seriously are some of the most comfortable socks. Definitely check those out. And then Vivid Seeds. The Vivid Seed app helps you find your seats to any of your favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more all through the app. Offering great prices is an easy purchasing experience, as well as an in-app loyalty program, the Vivid Seeds Reward Program. Go to the App Store, Google Play, download the app, and once you do start getting enrolled into the app, you're automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards program. So there's no extra you know, signing up or whatever you do. You download the app, put your information in, you're automatically set up to receive credits anytime you make a purchase on the Vivid Seats app, which is great. Obviously, Chicagoland, there is concerts, Bulls, Blackhawks, Bears, unfortunately no postseason, but if you enter promo code postseason at checkout, you will receive a discount up to $100 courtesy of Lockdown. All Vivid Seats orders are confirmed and backed by a 100% guarantee. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live events. Make sure you enter promo code at postseason or postseason at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. All right, back here in the second segment. Um, a couple quick things. John Heyman tweeted out that, according to some baseball people in the industry, that many people believe that the Cubs' job is David Ross's if he wants it. The question that Heyman kind of poses is he's not sure how seriously Ross wants the job. But that's good news. Sahad Sharma had an article that was put out yesterday um, titled Cubs Leaving No Stone Unturned as organization, or Organizational Revamp Kicks into High Gear. He talks a little about how the Cubs might be leaning more towards a rookie manager and how it's kind of been the trend. And while the Cubs are seemingly envying a lot of these great teams right now being the you know Dodgers, Astros, and Yankees kind of being the three clear-cut teams above the rest, I think, right now, um, in terms of like most complete pitching, what they've been able to develop. And he kind of talks about how they've been the envy or this is what the Cubs envy right now because all these guys have been thing are great at things that the Cubs thought they would be good at. You know, developing pitchers in their rotate or in their system and bringing these guys up, developing just talent in general to be able to utilize them as assets to acquire more talent to add to your current roster. Something the Astros have been incredibly good at. Um, when you look at the Yankees and what they've been able to do with major league talent on the roster, they take DJ LeMahieu in his age thirty season and turn him into arguably their team MVP. He was incredible. A ton of young guys popping up out of nowhere. There's like the Luke Voigts and Giovanni Urshela coming out of nowhere and, and, and not only performing well at a position, but doing well at the plate and adding so much. I mean, you look at the the Astros and them being able to add Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke, who are their three best pitchers right now and weren't in their rotation two years ago. So, it, it, you know, it, it's insane. I guess two and a half, three years ago, technically with Verlander, but still. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> These guys weren't on their roster just a couple of years ago. So them being able to access these type of players and add them to their roster while the Cubs have seemingly kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit with adding some pretty poor contracts, getting some regression out of players they hoped would step up. Um, 
there's a lot of envy, envy in this roster and this team and this front front office, the Cubs in general. They want to see better improvement. Um, so we did get a little bit from that article about like the idea of what these directors of hitting and pitching roles will look from Epstein. He says, I think the goal of someone in the role of director of pitching is to have a real clarity on what our pitching philosophy is, what our separators are going to be as an organization, and how we make the best use of the most cutting edge technology for the state of modern pitching. And most importantly, where pitching is going over the next several years, Epstein said, and then implement that from the top, from top to bottom of the organization, more on the minor league side, but with a working relationship with the major league staff so that we have the best possible methods with how we teach pitching, how we maximize our pitching and how we, um, excuse me, evaluate pitching. Um, Epstein basic, he wants to figure out why these teams are so much freaking better than at this and, and and change it and he wants to get in here and do it now and he kind of talks a little bit about that throughout Shahada's article saying you know he wants to take a look at what they would do if this were you know they were starting from scratch and where they would go from there and obviously you can't necessarily do that with an organization built out as much as the Cubs have but you can kind of take a look and figure out hey this is where we're just completely failing and while some people might say it's tough to make that switch Obviously, the results aren't working. So if you're going to kind of make a slow transition, you're just wasting time. You need to make changes now to see the impact now because you have two years before you don't have a job with your upstein. So, you know, the pressure's on. That's why Theo's moving so quickly. It's why we're seeing these organizational changes happen so fast. We probably won't see any more announcements coming out about, you know, essentially anything until a manager is officially announced, I would say. Um, so limited conversation, limited talks. Those manager meetings are likely happening next week or maybe even at the end of this week. So who knows? But that's going to be coming soon. And once that happens, we'll start to see where things start to fall in line. Um, so I'm I'm excited about this coaching hire. I, I, I think there's a lot of good options out here. I think the Cubs are going to ta- kind of take a look at everything. Um, one thing I've been noticing pop up over the last couple of days, um, is there, there's been a few articles about David Ross being more of the same and not the change that the Epstein keeps saying he wants. Um, for what it's worth, a lot of these are columns from the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Tribune. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. That's obviously someone sharing their opinion. It definitely comes across as old baseball. Um, and I understand why they think Ross would probably bring about similar situations. You know, the Epstein hammered on the idea that he didn't want to go back to 2016 and David Ross might be one of the most, you know, recognizable faces from that era. Uh, obviously he's grandpa Rossi and obviously the fame that followed him right after the world series kind of inflated this ego of who Cubs fans think this guy is potentially. And I, I think it's just a short-sighted argument. I, I, I think it's kind of weak. Yeah, sure. You could say that David Ross you know, because he played in the 2016 team, there could be some type of familiarity there. But I don't think you want just a complete stranger in there. I think there's a benefit to Ross having a relationship with these guys. And if what is true about Ross being able to police that locker room with no problem when he was a player, I don't see why he would have an issue with it now as a manager when he's even more of an authority figure than he was before. So I think it's kind of a silly argument. I think it's kind of dumb. I I, I don't I don't really get that. I, I, I get being worried about Ross not being able to command that locker room because I I get that. But what I don't get is thinking that he's going to do exactly the same thing as Joe Madden did because they're two totally separate people. Just because he coached with them for, you know, or played with them for two years means he's going to do exactly what he was doing. No, I think Ross is very much open to trying new things and, and embracing numbers, especially as a rookie manager. You'd have to think he'd be leaning hard on the data and analysis team here for the Cubs. Like whatever the 
statistics are showing, he's going to probably lean that direction for a while and then from there figure it out. So I, I just don't think I'd be more worried about what David Ross's decisions are going to be in a playoff game in the seventh inning where your starter's kind of falling apart. You need your best arm, but you also might need that guy to close. I, I, I want to see what he's doing in those situations. I don't really necessarily worry about, you know, whether or not Joe or Joe Madden is going to rub off too much on David Ross and that's too much of the same thing. I, it's just kind of like pointing at a word and be like, well, you said this and now you're doing this. I don't get it. You know, it's like you do. You're just kind of being annoying. So, but I guess that's their job, right? Ha ha ha. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Anthony Rizzo is a Hank Aaron award nominee, which is given to the top offensive player in each league. He's probably not going to win this, but it's still, Kind of an honor to be nominated for that, so kudos to Rizzo. Um, and then Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation got into a weird spat with Jeff Passan of ESPN yesterday, um, or maybe it was today, I'm not quite sure. Everything kind of fell out today, but um, Jeff Passan was tweeting, complaining about how you know he didn't want to get his suit wet and then have to sit at the stadium and be wet for hours writing a story and blah, blah, blah. And, and Brett Taylor jokingly tweeted at him saying, <laughs> You know, you know, get uh, get soaked, you coward, or something like that. And spelling coward wrong, clearly messing with Passin. And Passin took it relatively serious and replied back to Brett saying, you know, oh, you know, you're so tough and dared him to dump five beers all over himself and then <laughs> and then blog for the next five hours. And like, <laughs> If there's one person like you don't challenge to do something, it's probably Brett Taylor. Him and everyone from Bleacher Nation has poured milk all over themselves, dove into lakes, spent 40 consecutive hours every offseason or every trade deadline blogging. <laughs> like it, he says even on the link on the video, you should check it out on 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 Twitter, on Periscope. Brett jumps on, pours these five beers all over himself in this bright neon blazer with these blue purple pants. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting look for him. But he does it. He does it. And now he's blogging right now, I think. So good for good for Brett. I hope Jeff Passon thinks it's funny. And Brett was an all good, you know, tongue in cheek, all in good fun and just messing around with him. But I just thought it was hilarious. So um, Cardinals today will be face the Braves today, at, I believe, 430 Eastern time or Central time. Essentially, they're an afternoon game. 538 is giving St. Louis a 46 percent chance in this game. It's Jack Flaherty versus Dallas Keuchel for Atlanta. Uh, Patrick Corbin will be on the mound for the Nats facing Walker Bueller. Their game will be later on today. Um, it's Nats versus Dodgers game, one of that series. Um, they'll be on shortly after the Cardinals and Braves wrap up. So full slate of baseball postseason games tonight, so it'll be fun. But that will do it here for tonight's show. Remember to get this show every day. You need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs on the Himalaya app or whatever podcasting app you use, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you're listening to podcasts. You can listen to Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Um, then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning into your daily Cubs podcast, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go Cubs. And if you don't mind, I've been writing a couple stories each night after the postseason for fans Saturday. I'll be tweeting them out from Lockdown. If you want to check them out, go right ahead. But I'll try and keep you updated through the postseason. One more episode this week, and then we'll be on to the weekend. So you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs.